The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. The way God has been at work over this last... Thank you. Over this last chunk of time... We have been exploring the Old Testament. And so uh, in this coming year, uh, we're going to be jumping into the New Testament in our Gospel Stories for Kids curriculum. I really want to uh, just celebrate the dedication and commitment of each of our leaders. We love our team, and they are teachers not just of our young people, but they're teachers of our next generation of teachers as well with those under-18 team members that they're working with. So that's something really to be commended. That gives us a future as a church as they continue to serve in the present. So I just want to celebrate that before you. Okay. Let's say a prayer, and then we have what I'm calling a kid's sermon, which just means everyone's going to be able to gain something from our time here together, and we'll have a bit of fun as we do it as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. You have given us your word, both the Old and New Testament. And today, as we explore uh, Mary's song, may uh, the words that have been prepared, uh, may they speak your truth, and may they encourage us in what we can be doing this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I've got an activity for us. Uh, your job now is to scheme with someone next to you. You need to match the song to the achievement. Match the song to the achievement. What does Baby Shark, I'm Dreaming of Christmas, and All I Want from Christmas is You, which achievement have they made? World's best-selling single, 70 million in royalties, that's just people paying them to use the song, or 13.68 Billion streams. I'm going to give you another twenty seconds to lock in your answers. Okay, let's do this. Let's find out our answers. Baby Shark, 13.68 billion views. Isn't that a phenomenal number? Most viewed uh, clip on YouTube. I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. This is the 1942 version. I think that was Bill's first Christmas. Um Best-selling single, physical copies to be precise, um, it's estimated about 50 million copies of it have been sold, which then means All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey, uh, that's a 1994 song, that's my actual birthday, um, estimated 72 million so far in royalty payments. She gets about two and a half million a year from that song alone. Um, there's some achievements for some songs, hey? Now, we're going to be looking at a different song this morning. It's Mary's song, and we read it from Luke chapter 1. Now, the lesson for us in Mary's song 
I think has greater meaning than millions of dollars in royalties or, or billions of YouTube views. A big claim, I know, but this is a song that has stood the test of time for over 2,000 years. I really hope we're not still singing Baby Shark in 2,000 years, but we'll, well, I won't be around, but someone will see. And here's our big idea. Here's the big takeaway this morning. Celebrate by magnifying and rejoicing in God the Savior. Celebrate by magnifying and rejoicing in God our Savior. We're going to dig into that big idea. Uh, Some quick details on structure. Uh, We've been spending a bit of time in the Psalms recently throughout our uh, preaching series. So this is a nice little bridge between what's coming up and what's been before. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's not dissimilar to, say, Psalm 103, and it has two parts. We're going to be focusing on the first part. That's where it's saying it's thanks to God. So that's sorry, Mary's soul will magnify her God and rejoice in God, her Savior. Then she lists a bunch of reasons that she's thankful. Now, before we dig into Mary's song, let's imagine ourselves in Mary's shoes. Or maybe it's sandals. Here's a speed read cap from Luke chapter 1. So Mary, she's young. Probably not kids' own young, but not like super much younger. Older. She's engaged. Ooh. And she has a wedding to plan. There's a whole new life stage ahead of her. I wonder if this was what was on her mind. Isn't that a sweet photo? Uh, this is one of my favorite moments. It's not just because we're leaving the wedding, um, but it's this whole new kind of stage of life coming ahead for us. Um, it's the closing moment, perhaps, of the wedding day, but the start of married life together. And this hope awaits Mary. But then an angel greets her. We didn't get any angels on our wedding day. And declares God favors her. So far, that's sounding pretty good. Maybe a bit freaky, but sounding pretty good. God is going to do the impossible. She is going to have a son to be named Jesus. Now, Mary's song, I think she listened really well during Kid Zone because she knows her Old Testament. She can recall, oh, she wasn't in Kid Zone, no, but she would have been trained up a little bit. They thought the Bible was important back then too their Old Testament. She had heard the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Now, Hannah is another woman who was unable to have a baby, but God did the impossible. God favored her. It's actually what the word Hannah means in Hebrew. God favors. And God favors her with baby Samuel. And you know what Hannah does? She says a prayer. And Hannah's prayer, there's sort of some echoes of that throughout Mary's prayer. It's a really great parallel to spend some time looking at, something you could do throughout the week. Now, Mary would know of Abraham and Sarah's laughter at the announcement of the seemingly impossible baby Isaac. There's a lot of fun names coming up. Isaac is another Hebrew word. It means laughter because his parents before us were born were like, that's impossible. That can't happen. Too much, too much time has passed. And there's one other thing that I think Mary is quite confident in. God had a special promise in the Bible. 
that there would be a particular child to come. And God continued to act throughout the Old Testament in impossible God-only ways to keep this hope alive. I think the heart at the start of that hope appears in Genesis 3.15, but it also continues on in maybe Genesis 17 and 18. And this child would be the defeater of this curse of sin and would fulfill God's covenant promises to his people. There's a really cool statement by Paul about in Galatians 3.16. Okay, so Mary knows her Old Testament. And I wonder, um, news tends to spread pretty fast. I have reasonable confidence that Mary had had the opportunity to hear the story of Elizabeth, that's her relative, who's pregnant with baby John, and also Elizabeth's husband, who... He kind of didn't respond in the best way to God saying, you're going to have a kid either. So God was like, we're going to make you silent until the baby's born. You had some disbelief. We're going to just show that this is a big, important moment. Okay. But unlike so many others, I've got a new photo coming up, Mary responds well to the Christmas announcement of a baby coming. Baby Sophie once fit in there. Here's what Mary says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It's, this is a fantastic response. Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. If you were to live your life in a way, that is a way to live it. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary shows us what the fear of God is. Because kind of fear of God is a bit of a confusing idea. Hey, are we meant to be scared and run away from God? Not really. But we are meant to be reverent and be humbly obedient, seeking to please God. When we're unsure of what that looks like, we can look at Mary's example. Now, after the angel's message... Mary goes to Elizabeth, her relative. Remember, she's pregnant, and the Holy Spirit is at work because the unborn baby John, his, his whole mission in life is to prepare the way for Jesus, and he even does that as an unborn baby, which is just so cool. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth affirms that the unborn baby Jesus, that's the other bit baby in the room, is the long-promised Old Testament Lord. So Elizabeth celebrates Mary's faithfulness. Was that a whirlwind through chapter 1? Lots has happened. That's okay. Let's have a look at Mary's song. We'll reread that first little part. Mary said, Oh, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on, All generations will call me blessed. So Mary's song is going to give us two actions to do. This this Christmas, we can respond with thanksgiving to God, and here are our two actions. Magnify the Lord and rejoice in God, my Savior. I don't know what your uh, Christmas plans are. Maybe you're starting to get to the mid part of this, the start of December and going, oh, we've got most of it out of the way. Or maybe you're thinking, the family meetings begin. Whatever your Christmas is looking like, I'm sure there's lots you're looking forward to. I want you to think about, with your family, 
Will you reread the Christmas story? Luke 1 and 2, great place to reread. And maybe will you spend some time connecting Christmas with the promises and hopes of the Old Testament? Some great Bible plans out there that you can find. What will you do to magnify God? What will you do to make God big in your mind, as big as he really is? Well, in verses 48 to 55, that's that second half of the song, we get a whole list of reasons. We're not going to go through them in detail, but I'll give you a bit of a list. Here's our list. God has done great things. God's character is holy. God is merciful to those who fear him. Not that shocked and afraid kind of mercy, but rather that reverent, humble obedience that seeks to please God. God is strong. He opposes the proud. He lifts up the humble. God's heart, it beats for the hungry, the poor, and the lowly. The rich, they they risk ignoring God, their need for God, and they're sent away empty, according to Mary. And God acts out of his mercy, helping people. Now, this isn't just a big bunch of ideas for Mary, a big bunch of abstract theology. This impacts who Mary is. And I'm not just talking about that growing waist size. This is all that Mary will be. Mary will be the servant of the mother of the Lord Jesus. Now, before we might get the wrong impression or anyone gets a little bit too nervous, you can jump ahead to Luke 2, and there's a great crack of a story there where we hear that, yes, Mary is God's choice to give birth to the Savior of the world. But guess what Mary does? Mary loses Jesus, not as a baby, which is good. He's a little bit older, but maybe kid's own age. Loses Jesus... For three days when they go for a trip during the Passover. Has anyone been lost by their parents? I'm, I'm still a bit new to this parenting thing, uh, but my hunch is a base rule is don't lose the kid. Lots of nods. Good. I think Sophie's somewhere. It's, it'll be fine. Um, Now, I'm not sure then if I take from this story the reassuring that God chose Mary and Mary's still going to lose Jesus and it's all going to work out. Or maybe it's a bit humbling to know that um, often as a parent, I will no doubt miss the mark. Maybe it's both of those reasons. Uh, But Mary is clearly not perfect. And in fact, this isn't news to Mary. She's well aware that she needs God to be her saviour. This is clear. She addresses God as my saviour, not their saviour, my saviour, in the opening lines of her song. Mary's soul magnifies the Lord. And I think as we grasp the scope and bigness of God, that affects us. So don't settle for a small picture of God. If you do... Any picture you have of yourself will be out of proportion. So magnify God and let that assist you in your humble estimate of self. So what I'm saying is make God big and that will help you see what you're really like. We're not saying make yourself small and still have a really small picture of God. We're saying make God big and that will help you understand 
yourself. Now Mary is confident that God is needed. God is the needed, merciful and mighty saviour. And this acute awareness of her dependence upon God, this reverent fear that without God's mercy I'm undone, that's the result. Joy. Now, Mary needs not be tossed about by challenging circumstances. Now, I think we can all in the room agree that a miraculous pregnancy, an engagement, would spin most of us into at least anxiety. Probably not joy. But in this unique circumstance, joy is possible. But so too, in the more common stresses of life, joy is possible. Joy is the awareness that my greatest need is met by God, my Saviour. Just as we need a bigger, more magnified picture of God, so we need the perspective achieved by placing our trust in God, our Saviour. And this brings joy, even when it's tough. So my hope this Christmas is joy to the world. The coming of Jesus offers us joy not limited to our circumstances, for we can look back at what God started as a baby, finished in his saving work on the cross, but also continue in, continues in our lives now. I wonder, and let me be clear, this next idea is a little bit speculative. I want you to imagine with me. I think it will help us understand some of the song. I wonder, did Mary sing, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior? Did she repeat this to herself and maybe the unborn Jesus throughout her pregnancy? Maybe during the morning sickness? She could have. We don't know, but she could have. And maybe even at the manger. Maybe did Mary sing these words again and again to the older Elizabeth, who by all likelihood went through a difficult labor. My mass says Mary came to Elizabeth at about six months. Mary Elizabeth being six months pregnant, she left three months later. The timeline kind of checks out. Her helping out her older relative, and maybe learning some helpful things herself. Did baby Jesus, when his first teeth started to come through, that's possibly our world at the moment, um, did he hear the comforting, familiar refrain from his mother's voice, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior? Maybe did Mary anxiously repeat the song while searching for young Jesus before finding him in the temple? I wonder. We don't know, but I do wonder. Because what I see in Mary's song is a way to respond to the coming of Jesus celebrated at Christmas. This Christmas, you're going to hear many songs. You might be dreaming of a white Christmas. You might know all that you want for Christmas. I hope amongst the the harking angels, the silent nights, the red-nosed reindeers, hopefully not too many baby sharks, Amongst all this, I want to ask you, what will be your song this Christmas? 
How are you responding to the Christmas message that our young people performed and sung so well for us today? That God has come as Jesus to save you from your sin by dying on the cross and rising to new life, a sample that the new of the new life that Jesus offers you. I implore you, magnify the Lord and rejoice in God your Savior. Maybe you're sitting here and you're still needing more reasons. Maybe you want to dig deeper into Mary's list or you have your own questions, comments, and concerns. Can I just say you're in the right place? Continue with us as we explore the Christmas story over the coming Sundays. And if you're someone who needs more, or perhaps you know someone who needs more, as a church community, we're encouraging people to meet up together and discover the Bible one short passage at a time. I'm happy to and here to help link you uh, to those resources or maybe to someone who you can do that next step with. As we bring it to a close, let's ask again, what will be your song this Christmas? Let's pray, hey? Mighty God, there are so many wonderful songs that we will hear. May each song that we sing that declares your truth be a prayer to you. May it be a way of us magnifying you, but also rejoicing in you as our Savior. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks, music team. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.